Well, hey there, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I'm the online campus pastor here at OAG. I am excited for today's podcast because this is from our series entitled Before You Knew Me. This will be stories and testimonies shared from folks just like you and our own church family. So sit back and relax and be inspired by what God has done and is still doing in the lives of his children. I gotta make sure I say good evening and not good morning because that's kind of my routine for saying that every time I get up here on Sunday mornings. I'm normally next door doing the teen girls class, which by the way, they're in here tonight. So they're coming to watch and everything. But yes, walk is not happening. So it's very quiet tonight. Let's just say that. (laughs) Go ahead, dear. Hey. Hey. Well, here we are. <laughs> so um, we're going to share our story tonight. Um, Amanda's, our story is quite different, the two of us. So uh, Amanda's going to start with her story first, uh, at least part of it. And then I'll kind of fill in my parts here as we go along. So. so for those of you who don't know me or don't know me like prior to our 12 years being here, I am what we call a bus kid. So I didn't grow up in a church home. Uh, My parents were basically good people and they believed in heaven and hell and they believed in God and and Satan and different things. And they they taught me how to be like morally right and wrong, but they themselves weren't like like active Christians and they were what we call Christers. They went to church for like Christmas and Easter, occasionally Mother's Day, Father's Day kind of things. And so growing up, I wasn't really in church. I didn't learn the Bible. I didn't get to go to Sunday school and learn all these things. Um, We would go, um, like I said, around holidays or when things got kind of tough, my parents' new church was like where you can go to get help. So they would go for like a season and we're talking like three or four weeks and then they get back into like their normal routines and church just wasn't a priority. So I am not a church kid. I don't have a heritage in the church. I don't have a Christian background per se. So for me, like I'm completely different than Daniel on that component. But when I was in middle school, probably around seventh grade, it was actually at the time called Missionettes, which now it's Girls Ministries, but I started going to a church that was just down the road, and I went mainly because, and I'm no lie, they had a really cute purple binder, and I wanted the binder. Um, I wish I had one to show you right now what it looked like. It was cute, you know, I wanted it. And my grandma taught it, and that was kind of like a perk, and um, you got free snacks. So I went on Wednesdays, and that was it. And I went on my own until about um, how our program worked is they didn't have the high school class, so youth was also on the same night. So I remember the pastor's son, he and I, we grew up together in the sense we were in the same school and stuff, and we were the same age. I'm four days older. That's important. Um, But we've known each other since we were eight, and he would always ask me to come to youth. And I said, I'm not coming to youth until, you know, I'm done with the girls' class and I go into high school. So transition, ninth grade, it's time to go to youth. And I remember just the culture shock of, like, what youth is. And we had a shed. Was that what you call it, a shed? What was our youth? It was was a shed. Um, We met in a shed. It was a a shed. It was a shed. Um, Not a very good shed. It's all I knew, so I thought it was awesome. But I remember it was just different, like having the worship music and just, it was just different. And for me, it was very much like, 
But I got involved, and of course, as time progressed, I just started getting more involved. I would come like on Sunday mornings. I remember my first trip in ninth grade on a youth trip. We went up to Tennessee. I almost died. I didn't tell my mom that part. Um, but we went on a Hummer ride up in the mountains, and I like, almost fell out. But it's okay. Um, but I just remember my youth pastor at the time, which again, still knew. He's like, well, if you come in on these events, you need to start coming to church on Sunday morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I started going to church on Sunday morning. Um, and then, of course, he's like, well, you're already here. You might as well start coming for Sunday school. So then I started coming an hour early. And then he's like, well, you might as well, you know, stay for Sunday night. And it just kind of progressed, me coming to church. And before you know it, I was there every time the doors opened. My parents weren't faithful attenders or anything. It was just me going on my own. We didn't have a bus, but I call myself a bus kid because I... I had to find ways, and we lived literally like two minutes from the church, like basically from here to Wawa, but I still remember like feeling awkward asking people for rides to church. <laughs> I'll never forget being like, I was too embarrassed to ask people to pick me up. It was not out of anybody's way to pick me up. I mean, you had to pass my house to get to church, but I remember being awkward about it. Um, but about 10th grade, I got called. I just felt God called me into ministry. My youth pastor and his wife kind of saw that. And they mentored me, and then next thing you know, here comes Daniel. Here comes Daniel. <laughs> so I had the opposite problem. Um, I think Pastor Scott made this same statement. Um, we had a drug problem. Every time the doors were open, we were drugged to church. We didn't have a choice. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, both parents. Um, I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was four. Um, I'm thankful that um, I, I've come, I come from a good family, um, and when my parents got divorced, they both remarried wonderful people into partially wonderful families, and um, my step-family, my step-mom and my step-father, they both treated me really well, so I had two really good families, um, and I lived for the first several years after the divorce, I lived with my mother primarily, and then would visit my dad on the weekends, and then... Uh, seventh grade, I, we swapped. I lived with my dad uh, primarily and visited my mom on the weekends. Uh, and then I graduated um, in 1998 from Robertsdale High School, Robertsdale, Alabama. And yes, I did grow up in Alabama. If people wonder why I wear Alabama stuff, that's because where I'm from, you only have two choices of teams to be a fan of, Alabama and Auburn. Of course, I chose the right team. So, um, but I grew up in the woods. My mom lived in the Pensacola area. This is all in the greater Pensacola area. My mom lived on one side of Pensacola near the beach, Pensacola Beach. Not that I ever went to the beach because I'm really, really pasty white and I burn immediately. So I didn't spend a lot of time there. We did go some. But my father lived in the woods in Alabama. Um, we had, the town that we lived in had a, a blinking caution light and a hunting club and a tiny little restaurant that had six tables called Vittles. 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 That was the name of the little restaurant in Seminole, Alabama. That's where I grew up. No. Oh, yes. Her uncle was... My uncle was a race car driver. <laughs> and so, like, his car door from his race car was on this fence in Seminole at this restaurant. Was that it? Yeah. That's called Vittles? Vittles. Oh. So... Small um, <laughs> But I, I, you know, growing up, I was, this is going to surprise most of y'all, I know, but I was a bit of a nerd, so I didn't have um, a lot of girlfriends, ever. If you saw the part in his pictures. <laughs> I had a great part. I had hair back then, and I had a, let's not talk about hair. So, I, 
growing up, like I said, I was a bit of a nerd, and so I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. Um, but I, I didn't take, I, I was a Christian, and then when I became a teenager and was old enough to understand, I was a Christian in word only, but mostly just because I was too scared to do anything bad. That's about it. Uh, I was a good kid, um, Christian in name, but not in faith, not in practice, uh, pretty much through high school, and most, kid, most people knew me as that guy. But after I graduated, I, I got really close with uh, my pastor and our family, um, and little by little, I just I got closer and closer to the church, and which meant I got closer and closer to Jesus. Um, so I grew up in church, but I, I didn't take it seriously until after I graduated high school, and it was then um, they needed help at um, kids' camp, not youth camp, kids' camp, and I wasn't planning to go. But my pastor said, yep, I've got somebody and I'm sending him right now. So I went to kids camp as a counselor under duress. Um, but it was there that God called me to the ministry. He said, you, you know what I've called you to do and now I want you to go do it. And it was that day I embraced my call to youth ministry, went to Bible school in Daytona Beach. And, um, and then when I came home, I was a youth pastor for a couple of years as a single youth pastor. And let me go ahead and tell you, being a single youth pastor is not easy. Um, doing it, uh, doing ministry by yourself is not easy. And um, so along came Daniel. Yeah. So um, I'm in church. I'm actively being like, I'm like the church princess, if you will, because like, you know, my youth pastor was training me, mentoring me, different things. And of course I was the bus kid. So I'm that person that everybody just kind of took under their wing and adopted in different things. Um, but I, okay seriously girls and boyfriends and stuff i had a boyfriend going into my junior year and he broke my heart okay he broke my heart and i make jest of this but i got a whole testimony where i acted out and stuff one day i'll do it for you but um seriously it sent me in a spiral okay and basically my junior year i had made the decision that i, I was tired of serving god i was tired of being the good person because it was getting me nowhere and different things and i was getting to the point where i was i had made decisions in my head to compromise what I knew to be the right way to live and the right way to do. Thankfully, God sent my pale knight um, to come and rescue me. Let me tell you something. Um, matches in churches. If, if the youth pastor calls your mom and says, hey, I got this guy for you, <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that because I don't think, Daniel, are you going to call anybody's mom in here? Um, that's not part of the plan. That's not part of the plan. So, um, yeah. so I, I spent a couple of years as a youth pastor, but then I was, I was between churches and I went back to my home church. Now, while I was a youth pastor, I had their youth group come to my church where I was a youth pastor, and they did some dramas. They did some, some skits. I'm not dramatic at all. No. So all I remember was there was this girl that was hysterical. She was a junior in high school at the time, and I was only like 21. And there was no, this no, girl no. that was... I was a freshman when I came to your church. I was this fat little ninth grader. Okay, so I just remember there was this really funny girl. I said, that, that girl's funny. She's going places. Fast forward several years after I had, um, I had finished being a youth pastor and I was in between churches, and I go back to my home church, and she's still there, and uh, we, we were, uh, we were kind of uh, talking, just uh, hanging out, and... Um, no. No. I decided, I, I was talking to the youth pastor at the time, um, I said, hey, uh, you know, tell me about her, and, and um, I asked her out. Pity date. It's totally a pity date. 
I remember the phone call like it was yesterday. He calls me and he's like, hey, and I'm like, hi. And seriously, I'm like going, <laughs> I don't want to. And of course on the phone, I'm like, yes, yes, we could go out Saturday. But I'm inside just dying because I didn't, he was old. I didn't want to date him. So I should just point out, I had both her youth pastor and her parents' permissions. And I was 17. And she was 17, but we were. We don't talk about that. We were um, being good Christian kids on our, yes. on our dates, but I didn't know it was a pity date. Um, she didn't tell me that till later. Well, no, here he is on our first date, like, you're such a godly woman. You're growing into such, and he's like, and I just kind of get to know you better. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't want to date you. And I was very kind about it, but I'm like, I just, I just, I like this guy over here. He has a lot of hair. His name is Chris Coffee, and he's really cute. And, um, and I just want to like, you know, I just got to have a bad relationship and I'm not looking for a relationship, but really I was over here looking at Chris Coffee. And I um, said, it's okay. I can wait. How about next weekend? Exactly. Exactly. I didn't know. I didn't, I'd never had a girlfriend. I didn't know what I was doing. So we went on our second date and then the third date. And then ironically, before you know it, we're dating. It was weird. Like, I think she thought the fact that I didn't know what I was doing was cute. It worked for me. Um, so there's that. Um, it, after the third date, I guess we became official boy, boyfriend and girlfriend. Is that correct? I don't know. It's in a book somewhere. It's in the book. She writes that kind of stuff down. Yeah. I've got it in a book and everything but so go into my summer and when I went on a missions trip I got to go to Dominican Republic and it was a really amazing trip I wasn't supposed to get to go but somebody backed out and then I got some Pentecostal handshakes from some good church people and I was able to go and that's really when God just kind of slapped me and said Amanda you know it's time for you to take me seriously it's time for you to take your call seriously it's where a youth pastor that went on the trip he wasn't mine but he was another youth pastor on the trip and he came up to me in the middle of a cow field we're surrounded by cow poop and everything and cows and we're in the middle of the field in dominican and he's like amanda god wants me to tell you this verse no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has understand what god has in store for those who love him he's like i don't know where it's at but god told me to tell you that so i spent the rest of that night like just going through the Bible, trying to find that verse. And of course I found it, First Corinthians 2.9, and of course it's Paul talking about it. It's actually quoting an Old Testament scripture, but I use First Corinthians 2.9. Um, so like, I really just got back to the point where like I had decided I was gonna stop playing around. I was gonna not make those compromises that I had talked about just prior. Uh, and I was gonna get serious about God. So I leave the missions trip, I come back, and I mean, I'm serious for God. I'm bringing my Bible um, with me everywhere I go. And I mean, I just changed a lot about me in a positive way um, and of course it was my senior year of high school and by the way this mission trip was the first I ever heard of Southeastern because again I didn't grow up in a church family I didn't know anything about Southeastern I'm from Pensacola so like we I didn't know anything about Christian colleges and some of the kids on the trip are talking about Southeastern I'm like well what's that so I get off the trip and I'm like I'm going to Southeastern that's what I'm gonna do Oh, do you know what Southeastern is? Okay, it's um, <laughs> Southeastern if you don't know what it is it is um, an Islam of God University in Lakeland and is an accredited university. And um, pastor's been there, me, Pastor Scott, we, Miss Marsha, who else? I mean, there's a lot of us that have graduated from Southeastern, but I'm- uh, Pastor Sheena and I are the only two that didn't go to Southeastern. It's okay, we love you. Um, but I went and so we get into my senior year and Daniel's like, well, what about us? I'm like, what do you mean, what about us? Yeah, and what about us? And I'm like, cause we're just dating, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean, what about us? Like, I'm going to Southeastern. Then he's like, well, I'm not moving seven hours away if we're just dating. And I'm like, 
well, what do you want? I'm like, it's either break up or get married. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to Southeastern. So we prayed about it. And then, of course, what, about a month later, you know, after a lot of praying and fighting with God and different things and having God moments. And the hurricane Katrina came. That was fun. So um, I had decided yeah. after those conversations and lots of prayer that I was going to pop the question. I, I made an appointment with her family to mm-hmm. ask them, Three times. as your one does, I guess. I don't know. It's my first time. <laughs> Hopefully only time. <laughs> yes. So the problem was I had prayed about it, but I never really heard from God. Um, I, I told him all of my plans, but he hadn't really said anything to me. And I had promised myself I would never commit to marriage unless God was in it. This is the one God sent me. Um, and it didn't matter what I wanted. I was committing to what God wanted and I still hadn't heard from God. And I had made this appointment to speak to her parents a couple of weeks away. I'm praying, hearing nothing, getting closer and closer to this appointment. Morning of that I'm supposed to talk to her parents about this, um, I still hadn't heard from God. So I got up early, which I don't generally do. Um, I got up early and went for a walk. Remember, I grew up in the woods, so I'm walking in the woods. And I'm walking in the woods. And it's a good thing I'm alone in the woods because me and God... Well, me, I, we were having a conversation, and by conversation, I mean I was kind of yelling a lot at God, and it's a good thing I was alone because um, people thought I was crazy. Um, but I, I was upset that I had, I had found what I thought was the right one for me, the one that God had sent me, and yet he was silent. So I'm letting him have it, <laughs> as one does. And... I went on for probably 20 or 30 minutes just walking in the woods. And I'd finally kind of exhausted myself and I got real quiet and was just walking. And, and I finally heard God speak to me. Um, and he says, you done? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and then he said, okay. Again, not audible voice. This is just what I'm, what I'm hearing in my spirit. And, and he finally began to speak to me. He said, okay, you're gonna do this but I need you to know that there will be things that come up. And things aren't always gonna be rosy, and here's some of the challenges that you're going to face. And I listened and, and talked about it with him, and, and it was finally that moment that I got God's blessing to ask her to be my bride. And then her parents blew me off, and I didn't get to speak to them. So In that moment? He in that moment. Did. No, I didn't, for real. They kind of knew what, they knew what was coming. You it, never it, talked to my parents? Not officially, no. We just kind of... I thought you made like three appointments. Was it the hurricane? Yeah, I made like? three appointments with them, and, and um, it never officially happened. Then Hurricane Katrina came, and I, I... Hurricane Katrina hit near enough to Pensacola to affect us, but not badly. It hit New Orleans, so um, we, we did what people do and went on a date. And um, I decided to propose that night, so it was in the park, windy and rainy in the middle of downtown Pensacola that I got on one knee and proposed. And then we got a flat tire on the way home. Because of the debris. Because of the debris. We promised that's what's happened, although her parents questioned that story a little bit. But that is what happened. And thankfully, I'm not very handy. I don't know much about things, but I did know enough about how to change a tire that I got it done and didn't look too bad doing it because she still married me. So, yay. 
I will tell you um, something about my, I didn't really go into details, but my parents, I love my parents. They're, they're good people. They just, during my season, my high school years, my parents had a gambling addiction and they were never home. And I'm the oldest of three. And so though I was 16, 17, 18 years old, like I was really much more mature. Like I was forced to be, well, why would you date me? I was um, forced to be much more um, responsible than like any 15, 16, 17 year old should be. Um, my sister is a couple years younger, but my brother is 11 years younger than me. So like I kind of, after he hit one or two, I was pretty much raising him different things, plus having a job. Plus, I mean, I was in high school, but I was in the international baccalaureate program, which means I was doing college in high school. So when I graduated high school, I had 35 college credits. I went straight into Southeastern as a sophomore. And so, like, I was working a lot. And so my... So you graduated May? I graduated in May. Went got to married in July. July. Yeah, and then went to Southeastern in August. Yeah, it was a fun, fun four months. Um, it's a busy four months. But, like, I had told my parents pre-Daniel, like, as soon as I turn 18 and graduate, I'm gone. Peace. Um, because I was just tired. My parents, I loved them, but they were toxic for each other, and they weren't really healthy for us. And so I had told my parents, as soon as I graduate, I'm gone. I'm gone. And so God just kind of sent Daniel. <laughs> and so I graduated in May, and then, of course, we got married in July, and then I started Southeastern um, in August and was able to graduate Southeastern in three years instead of four. Um, and so that was a pretty cool blessing because, again, with doing all that work in high school, I mean, it's a lot of work. I love my teenagers, but you don't do as much work as I did, okay? I'm sorry. Um, so when they cry about their homework, I'm like, no, don't talk to me. When you write 4,000-word essays, then we can have a conversation. Y'all didn't do that, okay? Um, but I have no pity. I really don't. Um, but seriously, like, it, it happened really fast, but there's, it's weird because we've been married. This year will be 17 years. And so... He was just talking about that. He's like, in three years, it'll be 20. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Math is hard. <laughs> I know. That's what I said in the car. Um, but it's crazy because, like, honestly, like, a lot of people might regret getting married young and different things, but I don't. And he really was my pale knight. But God, you know, brought us together, moved us to Lakeland. We had each other. And, of course, we, we had an internship at a church. We helped volunteered at a church, got through college. We went to Georgia where after I graduated, he gets hired as a youth pastor in Georgia. We were there for a couple of years. The pastor that hired us told us that he had cancer, stage 4 melanoma, and that he was in his 60s. And he was like, once I get somebody on staff, you know, I'm going to start my chemo treatment. And it was very shortly after with the chemo, about six months, he finally, he had to retire because his health had declined so much. And then, of course, within the next six months, he had passed. So they hired a new pastor. Just a difference in, in views and different things. And, of course, next thing you know, we are here. And we've been here 12 years. So let me tell you how we got here. That's a funny story. Listen pa to that. Pastor, do you remember our conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Something you have to know about Pastor Strickland straight is to the point. straight to the point. He didn't beat around the bush. So he calls me. I'm still in Georgia. And he, he had gotten my resume, I think, from the district. I had sent my resume to our district office. And he got it from them, I think. And he calls me and he says, hey, my name's Daryl. And I've got somebody coming in here in just a few minutes. So I've only got a second. Do you got a minute? And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, okay, I just need to know how much money you make. And I told him, he says, okay, I just want to make sure I can afford you. My, my meeting appointment's here, so I'll have to talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs> And then he calls me. I had the weirdest phone call. 
So he calls me a little later and says, sorry about that. Um, I just I, I had an appointment come in, and I wanted to get that done. And, and so uh, we came down to visit in 2011. 2011. I was pregnant with Eli. Somebody in the church thought I was lying. They thought I was just fat. And I'm like, well, that lie is going to come into fruition eventually. Either a baby's going to come out or the lie's going to come out. And, well, as you know, here's Eli. <laughs> so Pastor Strickland gave us the tour back then, and he says uh, he drove us through the villages and then drove us through not the villages. And, uh, and We stopped by a cow field, and he talked to somebody. I don't know if you remember that. And it was one of the reasons we came here, because Pastor Strickland... As during the tour, we're driving through, I think, down 229. Like 229 or something like that. Or 209. And he just stops, pulls over. There's a dude standing in the middle in the of the field. field, no idea. And he goes and leans on the fence and has a 20-minute conversation While with we're him. In the car. We're still in the car waiting. And, and Marsha was in the car as well, and she says, and that's why our church is growing, because he cares enough to talk to people. I don't know if you remember this, but you said, and I, I just, I'm quoting you on this. You're like, the villages won't go past the turnpike. It's 12 years later, and it's past the turnpike, Pastor. But at the time, that, that was what y'all believed because, like, you could, they weren't going to sell more land and stuff. So it was just, I remember learning there was 42, and then there was 484, or 44, 42, 466, 466. I remember learning all these roads, 44, and I'm like, why are there numbers? Why aren't there names? Apparently, y'all don't have names on your roads. You're all numbers. We come from places with names, like Oak Street, but not here. So I, I want to share this real quick. Um, there are a lot of people with some really powerful testimonies. Um, people that have been delivered from, from drugs, a life of violence, gang membership, all of these horrible things. I don't have a testimony like that. And there was a long time that I felt like I wasn't doing it right because I didn't have a testimony like that. That God hadn't delivered me from all of those things, so God hadn't delivered me at all. Um, it took me a while to come to an understanding that my testimony may be different, but it still is valuable because there are people like me. Um, so I just want to share this. My testimony is not a, a dramatic testimony of being delivered from horrible things because just to be honest, I've lived a pretty charmed life. Um, my parents ha are still alive. They've always been good to me. We didn't have much growing up. Like I said, I grew up in a tiny little trailer in the woods in Alabama, but we had enough. Um, I had my dad married into a family of, of 10 children. My, my stepmother was from 10, a pack of 10, and they all had packs. So I had lots of cousins. We, I wasn't allowed inside until the sun went down. So we played football and baseball and, and, and rode our, our dirt bikes and our four-wheelers and played in the river. Yes, all of those things on Andy Griffith. That's what I did. There was a river not too far from our house, and we spent our summers playing in the river but I've had a pretty charmed life, pretty ordinary. But what God has delivered me from is lack of hope. He's given me hope for a future and hope for eternity. And it's okay if you haven't had a dramatic testimony. I just want that out there because I know that there's people out there like that, that, you know, God hasn't delivered me from all these. My testimony is not powerful enough to share. No, it is. Just because... It wasn't dramatic doesn't mean it wasn't powerful. So my testimony is God has been good to me and has continued to be good to me. And I pray that on the day that really bad, I mean, we've had struggles, yes, but on the day that really bad things happen, I pray that my faith is strong enough to endure that. Um, and then I'll have a different kind of testimony to share. Hers is a little different. So for me, as I said, I'm a bus kid. So I feel like my testimony more has to do with breaking generational curses 
And like I like to tell students who are our bus kids, that students whose parents don't come here on Sunday mornings or different things, you're not necessarily your parents or you're not the choices that your parents make. Um, you can make your own choices. And if you are following after God, I'm tell, and I tell students all the time, like when you follow after God, he will never lead you astray. And my parents, I love them. Um, they ended up getting divorced after I moved out. And it kind of got even rougher after I moved out and um, like just everything that happened. My dad ended up getting remarried, which is ironic, but that's a different story. Um, but it's one of those things where like I chose to be somebody else. Like I, I didn't want to follow the path of my parents. And for me, for my children, like I'm a first generation pastor. He has pastors in his family. He talks about his grandma that spoke in tongues and scared people that they thought there was a shooting. So my grandmother had the gift of interpretation of tongues. Uh, and <laughs> she was old school Pentecostal, okay, with uh, she would shout and carry on. Her hair would fly and bobby pins would fly. And when she would give an interpretation in tongues, and you know, generally, for those of you that have grown up in this and know what I'm talking about, generally, when there's a, a message in tongues, the church is generally pretty quiet while we wait for the interpretation, right? So it's a quiet moment, except I'm sitting by my grandmother, and I've been around long enough, around her long enough to know that it, the, the message often comes from her, so I'm waiting for that moment when it's quiet, she says, Yay, I say unto thee! Used to scare me out of my britches. And so she was on a missions trip years and years and years ago to somewhere in Central, Central America um, where they, the church that they were in was known for having drive-by shootings. And she gave a, an interpretation in tongues in her fashion. And everybody dove under the pew because they thought it was a drive-by happening. I don't know the end of that story. That's all I know because everybody just laughs and laughs and laughs. So he comes from that background, but I don't. So for me, I want to be that generation where, like, I'm a first-generation pastor, and I want my kids. My kids are PKs. Like, I've, I was never in that mentality. So, like, my Eli will be old enough to go into the PK retreat in, like, next year. And I'm thinking, like, that doesn't even, like, register with me because I was never a PK. I was just a regular kid. I always call myself, like, a normal kid, NK. <laughs> I was just a normal kid, bus kid, BK, whatever you want to call. Um, so I want to encourage, and I tell the students all the time, you know, you're not the choices of your parents if your parents aren't Christians kind of thing. But if you do have Christian parents, like, just cherish it because I wanted that so badly as a teenager when I would see, like, I hated going to church on Mother's Day. I hated it. Or Father's Day. Because very few kids went to church on Sunday morning without their parents. And so every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, the pastor would be like, go stand by your parents. Go stand by your mother. Go stand by your father. And I didn't have my parents there. And I stood there. And I hated that day. I almost never went on Mother's Day and Father's Day for that reason. But thankfully, there was church people that always came and stood by me um, during that time. And I kind of adopted that mentality to whatever all the kids that we have now that we've ministered over the 17 years we've been married, the ones who don't have families in church, to like take them under our wing and love on them and be that spiritual parent that, you know, they might not have at home. But I tell the ones who do come from a Christian home, like cherish that, like cherish the time. You might be like, oh, I don't want to do family devotion. But that's something I wish I had because I just, I didn't have that. And so now Daniel and I are trying to cultivate, you know, this, this environment in our home for our children. Like every night we pray before we go to bed and we, we watch different, you know, right now media Bible series with the kids. And we're just trying to teach our kids like what a godly family looks like. And I really don't have an example. I'm just kind of figuring it out. 
But I want that to be my, my testimony, my legacy, that despite what my upbringing was, despite my parents' gambling addiction, I won't touch gambling. I hate gambling. Whatever you want to feel about it, it's whatever. But I watched it destroy my family. And so I won't touch a lottery ticket or a scratch off or nothing because I can't, I just, I see what it's done. But there's certain things that because I saw what my parents did, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But instead, I'm going to look to the Bible and I'm going to look to God and go, okay, God, I'm trusting you. And like that verse, 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is my life verse. I have it everywhere because it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can understand what God has in store for those who love him. So I don't like putting God in a box. And I'm like, God, I will love you. And I'm just going to leave it up to you to just direct my steps and tell me where to go, how to be a mom, how to be a wife, how to be a youth pastor, you know, and just let that be be my legacy and I encourage students and adults even that you you can make a choice to be whoever you want to be if God calls you to do it you can do it can I share my life verse oh yeah wait no <laughs> go ahead dear just share your verse my life verse is Proverbs 21 9 better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than in a wide house with a brawling woman I must say and young people listen to this I've said this before it's there you go look it up. You can fact check it. But seriously, um, he prayed for this. A wide house. He prayed for With a this. brawling okay. woman. He asked for a strong woman. I did. That had her own ministry. Because by the way, our callings are separate. Our callings were different. God called me. He called Daniel two different times. It just so happens our callings go hand to hand. And I am so thankful that we get to do ministry together. And like, like he's not a guy that doesn't do ministry because if you've ever done ministry, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> and I'm glad that we do it together. We also are workaholics. So pastor, you have to make us like take off, you know. Um, but it's one of those things we love what we do. But we are our own people. But he prayed for this. And, of course, I didn't pray enough because I wanted hair. I'm telling you, Chris Coffee had some hair, y'all. Um, but be specific in your prayer request. I was specific. I had very specific things I asked for in a wife, and I, I got know, them I all. Be specific. I was not brought up in church. I didn't know I can have all these prayer I used to tell people, God, I, okay? want a, I want a woman who's strong and independent <laughs> and doesn't need, doesn't need a man but has me anyway that hits back. And I got all of those things and more. Yes. She wasn't specific enough, so her man's hair fell out. So, yeah. My bad. So, but just an encouragement tonight to you guys. I mean, we could sit here and talk for hours about funny things, but we want you to know. I want to give a I want to give a shout out to Sunday school. Oh yeah. Um, Sunday school is important, and if if you don't go to Sunday school, you're missing out. I think that's a Renee over there. Yes. If you don't go to Sunday school, you're missing out. So the reason for that is, like I said, I grew up in church, and I grew up going to Sunday school um, every week. I, I, went, I went to church all the time, and I heard the word. I didn't always appreciate it at the time, especially when I was little and growing up, and I was the normal kid that was like, oh, we're in church again, I'm not listening, I want to listen, and I'm ignoring the, the pastor as best I can, but the truth is, I was hearing it. I was hearing it. I went to Sunday school, and I learned the word of God. And when I was a teenager, um, I challenged my youth pastor at the time to a, a, a game of Bible trivia. And I wiped the floor with him. Not because I, not because I, I was anything special. or I, It was because I grew up in it and I'd been taught it my whole life. If you're not going to Sunday school, you're missing out. If you're not teaching your kids and your grandkids and your, your nieces and nephews to go to Sunday school, you're missing out. 
we, we drag our kids here as much as they sometimes don't want to. They're in Sunday school every week because even, even if they don't want to hear it right now, they're hearing it. The, the radio plays at night. The Z, Z88 plays at night. They're hearing Christian music at night, which is mostly scripture. They're hearing the word of God in church multiple times a week. They're in JBQ. They're in junior Bible and quiz. And TBQ is coming. So they don't know it, but they're getting filled with the word of God. And, and I pray that those seeds that are being planted, when they get old enough to really fully understand it and appreciate it, that those seeds will grow into something great. So uh, thank you for those, uh, the teachers who have poured into my children. Thank you for doing that. And by the way, we always need more teachers. Uh, in, and in a Sunday, Sunday school. school superintendent. We do need that, yes. Uh, and like on the opposite, I didn't have Sunday school. And I remember going to Southeastern, and I'll, we'll kind of end on this because we can talk forever. But I remember taking the entrance exam at Southeastern, which was basic Bible knowledge. And I come home like, I failed. She, because, was, she was beside herself. The entrance exam. Y'all, I'm an exam. A student. Okay. I don't, I don't fail. Okay. And so... I failed. Like, I'm like, I failed. Well, I don't even know what a Sadducee is. Like, I don't know what these are. And I remember like freaking out. And it's just an entrance exam to see like what you know, right? And so all of my three years at Southeastern, I wanted all A's. I did. I got three B's and I'm still mad at the professors for that. But um, yeah, the professors. Yeah. Well, one professor, I did all the work, but I was just honest and saying I didn't read all the text. And that was my grade for the good rest in peace he's passed away now um but seriously i remember doing the exit exam and it was like wow i learned so much but i was that kid i'm like 18 years old in college going what happened and i'm like taking all these notes because i didn't grow up in sunday school so like i didn't understand all this basic bible knowledge and i remember walking into one of my classes in my junior year or my senior year and the teacher goes oh there goes the curve and i'm like huh and he's like, well, you're Amanda, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, then there's not going to be a curve because you're going to get an A. And I'm like, how do I know you? Like, you know, but I just wanted, I was so hungry. I wanted to be the best that I could be. And I didn't know this stuff going in. So I soaked it up. So I, I, I envied all those kids who had the Sunday school material and all that stuff. So my kids, I want there to be a balance. I don't want them to hate ministry because we're always here. Um, but I want them to have God's word and like it just be buried into them. And so that when they get to those teenage years and they start having life thrown at them and they get to be a young adult, make decisions, which I'm not going to handle well. I can just already decide, figure that out. Um, I want them to know God's word and I want them to have it in their heart. And because again, it was something I didn't have. And so I want that to be what I leave for them um, going forward kind of thing. So that's pretty much kind of it. We're kind of boring, but you know, it is what it is. We're so, normal. Well, I'm not normal. Oh, questions. Oh, yeah. didn't know we had questions. questions. By, the, by the way, if you're wondering why I have a computer and I keep typing, I'm <laughs> actually chatting that, with people who are watching online. So I, we, we've got three live streams and I'm chatting with all three of them. So. Because he's our geek and he's good at that. Don't ask me to do that. Any Anybody questions? with a question? I can't even see. Comment. I can relate to Amanda. I got an A one time. <laughs> I like my A's. Let's give my hand. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. 
For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.